So I'm glad you made it to the Bible study during the week. It's always good to be in God's house during the week to uh, go a little bit deeper and to continue to apprehend everything that he has for us. And, uh, and I want to get right into it as we continue our study in the book of Mark. We are in Mark chapter 1, and I want to jump right into the next section here, picking off where we left off on Sunday. Um, we're going to go to Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. 35 through 39. And we're going to talk tonight about how to pray like Jesus. The whole purpose of going through Mark is to rediscover Jesus in his heart, in his teachings, and to be like him. Can you say amen? And so Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 35. Um, I sound a little muffled, so whoever is co-piloting this thing back there, um, help me out. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So we traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Is Eddie back there? I just need some help on this mic situation. If you haven't taken Johnny Mission classes yet, I want to highly recommend that you take this next step of faith because coming to church is half the battle. Being part of the church is where the action is. And so if you haven't yet, Join the Mission is coming up this next Monday. And I would highly recommend you because the thing is, we can only play church for so long until we get bored. And then the church thing becomes stagnant. It becomes stale. You know? And the worst is, if you don't get involved in the mission, you become, you become a part of the problem, not part of the solution. And I find that when people are not part of the solution, they become critical of the mission instead of being part of the mission. So if you haven't taken classes yet, I would highly recommend, don't just come to church, okay? Um, this is Wednesday night, so I'm a little bit, a little bit more blunt. Um, just coming to church doesn't mean this is, this is not your church. Your church is when you're involved, when you put your hands to the plow, when you take ownership, when you give to it, when you serve it, when you actually do something that says, this is my house. Just like, I don't go to your house and go, this is my house. Because your house has your, your name on it, you pay your bills, right? I can't just go up in your fridge and open it, you know? Um, so that's home ownership is the same way. Spiritual ownership is, my, my name is on this thing, you know? I, I have a role to play here, can you say amen? And so make sure you sign up for the classes if you haven't yet. You guys watching online, same with you. Um, classes begin Monday, April 12th. Back to Jesus. Well, that was part of Jesus too. But let's get right into this, that to be like Jesus, if you're taking notes, is to pray like Jesus. To be like Jesus is to pray like Jesus prays. It tells you here that Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. And now if you study the Gospels, you would find that this is a, a pattern of Jesus' life. This was not an isolated situation. This was actually the way that Jesus lived for the years that he was on earth that he would often go away by himself to pray. And it always blows my mind that if Jesus had to make time to pray, <laughs> the Son of God, how much more do I need to take, make time to pray myself, right? That I can't allow life to get so busy that I'm actually not praying because the truth is, uh, the more busy I become, uh, the more I need to pray. 
Think about it, right? This is Jesus. Jesus should be the busiest person on earth, right? Your mission is to save the world. Your, your itinerary should be like crazy, right? You should be busy like 24-7 because you're here to save the world. But you come to find out that Jesus understood in order for me to save the world, I need to make time to pray to get my assignment to be able to save the world and to be able to be healthy for my mindset perspective to be able to give something to the world because you can't give what you don't have. And so Jesus, right off the bat, is teaching us here that prayer was a priority in his life. And it's a pattern in his life. Prayer, my friends, please write this down. Prayer was and is the source of Jesus' authority and power. It is through prayer that you live a life of authority and power. A lot of times, let's be honest, right? We are walking around life with no power and no authority. And what is the thing, if we can be, again, we're in church tonight, but can we be honest, what is the thing we say the most? I am tired. Come on, let's be honest. We get up going, I can't wait to go to bed. Right? It's like, man, you just woke up, you're like, I can't wait to come back and go to bed. Because I'm just tired. I'm tired all the time. Right? And, and we can live that way, or we can tap into the power and the authority that's available to us. See, the thing is, like I said on Sunday, what Jesus has done for you, it's a done deal. The key is, though, are you apprehending yourself or what he's done for you? Right? Here's where the rubber meets the road, is that a lot of times we want these things to fall on our lap, but they won't. My friends, I got news for us. Prayer is work. It takes work to pray. It takes work to worship. Right, here we are on a, on a Wednesday night, right? How many, you know how many people said, ah, it's Wednesday. It's been a long day. <laughs> well, we could do that, or we can say, it's Wednesday. I got, a, I got a, a, a special moment here, like, that I can go and get some more power. Right? It's all about perspective. So prayer, my friends, is the source of authority and power. The same things that God did through Jesus, he wants to do through, in us and through us. That's the key. See, please get this. Your one-on-one time with God is the most important part of your day. I'd go as far as saying my one-on-one with God makes my day. When I don't have my one-on-one with God and get fresh power, fresh authority, my day usually don't go as well as it can go. And I think that's the difference between a blah, mediocre day versus a great day. Is did I spend time accessing authority and power from the source of authority and power? Because if not, what am I doing? I'm living life on my own strength. And oh, but you guys, don't, you don't want to meet me on my own strength. And I'm sure I don't want to meet you on your own strength. Right? Because on my own strength, I'm really short with you. My own strength, I'm going to be very, very difficult to deal with. Just ask my wife. She's right there. She needs me to pray. Okay? And I need her to pray. And my kids definitely need me to pray. Because in my own strength, I don't, I don't have it to deal with my knuckleheads all day long. Right? Never mind the church knuckleheads. <laughs> So we need to tap into the same spirit that was in Jesus. Everything that we are flows out of that time. I really believe that. Everything that we are flows out of the one-on-one time that you have with the Lord. Whatever we are not is because we're not accessing the power and the authority that's available to us. It's as simple as that. I think sometimes we complicate this thing. But the reality is all of us have the same access now to Jesus. We all have the same access. So the thing is, a lot of times, we just want things to just kind of fall into place. But they don't if you don't go to the gas station and park your car and and take up your your, your cap and actually put the thing in and, and ask for more gas. Right? I can't just show up to the gas station and go, I'm here. I mean, you can do the, uh, the full service, right? You can do the full service thing, 
But I think a lot of times in Christianity, the full service thing is, is like, it's Sunday. And that's a problem. You know, because I don't know about you, I need power more on Monday than I do on Sunday. I need authority more on Tuesday than I do on Sunday. Sunday is easy. Well, for you guys. It's the rest of the time, it's the rest of the week that I need to, to tap into that power because prayer is what brings direction and inner strength. See, the thing with prayer is it's less about what God's going to do for you. It's more about what God's doing in you. That's why a lot of people don't really pray because all they do is have a laundry list. It's like, here, God, here's my laundry list. It's like, no, the number one reason we pray, please write this down, is communion with God. Communion with God is the number one reason why Jesus prayed. It's to be one with him. It's to, it's to be in flow with him. It's to be in connection with him. It's to, it's to savor his presence. One of the telltale signs that tells me that people don't have that communion with God is how quickly they want to leave church. Because they don't linger. Those who have communion, you linger. Right? When you, when you like spending time with someone, you linger. You don't look at the clock when you're spending time with someone you care about and you love. Right? I'm telling you, when it comes to this Christianity thing, there's a difference between acquaintances and people who have a relationship. When you have an acquaintance, it's like, hi, bye. I see you. But when it's a relationship, it's like, man, you want to sit with that person. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, look how much time flew by. Sometimes I'm preaching. I see people go, and I'm like, that's an acquaintance. It's too bad. You don't, have, you don't know him. See, my friends, it's the communion with God that, that, that separates people who know about God who people who actually know God. Because I don't know about you. I want to know the Lord. I want to be able to recognize his voice. Right? He said, my, pe- my sheep recognize my voice. Right? The sheep-shepherd relationship is beautiful because for us, you can just see a bunch of sheep, but the shepherd knows each one, and the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Could be five sheep hanging out over there and shepherds over here, and if one of the shepherds whistles, the sheep know, oh, that's my, that's my shepherd. Why? Because there's a relationship. Right? And so communion is the number one reason why we should be praying. We don't pray to get things from God. We, get, we pray to get God. And the beauty of that is when you get God, <laughs> you get everything else. Right? Because God never comes alone. He always comes with presence. Right? So that's the beauty of this thing. It's like Jesus wasn't praying to, to get God to do stuff for him. He's the son of God. He's praying to be one with him, to have communion with him, to have fellowship with him. That's when you know you have a prayer life. It's enjoyable. Because you enjoy spending time with those you love and those who feed your soul. That's what prayer is, about feeding your soul. Like, when you're done praying, you should feel full. You should feel relieved that you have actually spent time with someone who can take care of you. Prayer should not be stressful. Of course, you're going to have stressful times in life. But for most part, prayer is a stress reliever. Even in stressful time, that's more reason to pray. Right? And so communion, my friends, is the number one reason why we pray. Prayer is how we develop intimate communion with the Father. It's the greatest work you will ever do on this earth, is to become one with him. Because think about this. You could be known in a lot of places, but I, 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 want, I want to be known in heaven. I want to be known as, man, that's, that's one of my sons, one of my daughters. I want God to say, like he said, he said about Job, like, yo, you know my boy? Why? Because of communion. Like, we're, we have a relationship. We have a connection, right, with, with the Heavenly Father. Richard Foster, who wrote one of my favorite books that I, write, I read from time to time, Celebration Discipline, he said this about prayer. He said, prayer, to pray is to change. He said, to pray is to change. Why? Because it's how God transforms us. 
See, a lot of times we want God to change the situation. God's like, man, I want to change you. The person that God wants to change the most is me. Right? And sometimes I think this, God, I think, allows us to be in tough situations so he can change us. More than anything else. Like, we're over here going, God, you see the situation? God's like, I'm seeing you. And I want to transform you. Then you can deal with that situation better. Sometimes God won't do anything about the situation, but he's like, hey, about your heart. I was sharing with the crew yesterday that, that in the middle of so much tension and chaos and temptation, a lot of times we're like, we're so focused on those things, but, but I think sometimes we've got to stop and say, okay, God, but what are you trying to do in me in this moment? Because that's what I'm finding. The older I'm getting in the Lord, the more I'm understanding, like, wow, he's way more concerned with molding me, shaping me, healing me, changing me, restoring me than he is about the situation. That I'm starting to think he's allowing me to be cornered so he can change me. More than the situations that I find myself in. It's how God transforms us. Because you know you're, you have a real prayer life. Please write this down. When you begin to think like God and desire the things God desires and act like God would want you to act. That's when you know you have a prayer life. Let me say that again. You know you have a prayer life when you begin to think like God, desire the things God desires, and act the way God wants you to act. He said this, right, in Isaiah. He says, my people, unfortunately, don't have my thoughts. He says, my ways are not their ways. Why? Because there's no alignment. There's no alignment with my heart. God wants us to align with his heart more than anything else. Right? That's why prayer, my friends, it's not something that you do every so often. Prayer is a lifestyle. If you study any believer who has done anything significant for, for the Lord, they made prayer one of their main businesses in life. You can hardly find someone that you are attracted to from a spiritual standpoint and that person doesn't have a prayer life. It's merely impossible. I don't care who you, you bring up someone right now in history who has done anything significant, I'll tell you that person had a prayer life. It's impossible not to have a prayer life and want to make a difference. Right? John Wesley, one of the great fathers of the faith, said, God does nothing but an answer to prayer. God does nothing but an answer to prayer. Have you noticed, the more, here's what's interesting, because a lot of times, here we get it backwards, right? We think, we find ourselves in a bind, and we're working really hard to get out of that situation, instead of praying first about the situation. And sometimes, the more you work at trying to get out of the situation, the worse you make in the situation. As opposed to pray through that situation. Because, I don't know about you, the more prayed up I am, the more productive I become. It doesn't make sense, right? Because you would think prayer seems like you're not doing anything. But the truth is, the more you're praying, the more you're laboring towards whatever that thing is, and the more productive you become. The pattern you see with Jesus is he prays, then he acts. He's never idle. He's praying to act. He's not praying to stay idle. He's praying to go do something. We just saw in here, right? He's praying, and the moment they said they're looking for you, he's like, no, no, we got work to do. He wasn't praying just to pass time. He was praying to be productive. This is where we get it wrong sometimes. People think we're just praying because we're Christians. No, we're praying because we're Christ-like, and we want to go be productive about our day, about our business, right? So listen, like Jesus, we need to pray in order to act. Not act, then pray. We need to pray, then act. Because I don't know about you, a lot of times when I act first, I usually mess it up. But when I give it time to pray, I have more room to think through what I need to do next. So here's, here's something that we all have to discern. God is never in a hurry. The devil always, always, he's always in a hurry. The devil always wants you to rush a, a judgment, a situation, a word. Think about it. 
How many of us have said things we don't mean? Why? Because we, we rush to say something as opposed to take some time to pray about what I need to say in certain situations and circumstances. That's why a lot of times people would text me, they're like, you didn't answer. I'm like, I need time. Because if I answer right now, you won't like it. And I won't like it. All right? So if you text me and I'm taking time, just know, he's no, he, it's noted, he needs time. And if I never text you back, that's an answer. <laughs> but, but we need to learn to sit with things. Because the enemy always wants you to rush things. He wants you to rush a judgment, rush a decision, rush a word. So like that, you're not getting the counsel of God, the wisdom of God, and the will of God. When you pray, please write this down, you get to work with God. It's awesome. Like you get to be in partnership with God. Let me show you the scripture. It's really cool. Paul talks about this in, in Corinthians. He said, you guys can go ahead to that Corinthians verse. Look, watch this. We are co-workers with God. And you are God's cultivated garden. The house is, he is building. We are co-workers with God. That's what it means to have a prayer life. You're literally working with God. Blows my mind. It's one of the greatest mysteries of our faith is that God says, hey, I want you to come alongside of me and we're going to work through some things together. Which fascinates me when you read the Bible that God is open to suggestions. You don't believe me? Go look. When he talked to Moses or when he talked to Abraham, right? One of my favorite interactions between God and a human being was when God was talking about Sodom and Gomorrah and, and Abraham was like, yeah, but what if there's like 50 people? God's like, all right, I'll take that. But Abraham's like, uh, I don't think there's 50 though. Like, <laughs> what if there's like 40, <laughs> you know? But I love that God kept entertaining him. Like, all right, well, I'll take it. All right, maybe there's not 40, God, but how about 30? God's like, all right, we're 30. I'll, I'll take it. But I love the fact that there's this interaction between them two. Oh, Moses. What about Moses? When God was furious, he was like, I'm sick of these people. <laughs> I didn't make this up. Go read your Bible. <laughs> and Moses was like, please don't. <laughs> I'm begging you. You brought them this far. And God's like, okay. You got me. And so you wonder, like, if God knows everything, why, why these conversations? Could it be that our prayers do affect God? Because a lot of times people don't pray because they're like, if God knows everything, then, well, he knows everything, but he's asking you, what do you think? Let's work together on this. See, a lot of times I think we don't see more because we don't expect more from God. Well, see, this blows my mind, but we are working with God to determine the future. That's crazy. But I believe that. Why? Because the Bible says the prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah it affected the future of Israel by saying, it's not going to rain until I say so. Joshua said, son, stand still, which is like, what? <laughs> Moses says, part to see. Right? So we are working with God to determine the future. Think about this. This is crazy, but please write this down because I pray that we, we get this in our spirit. We have to change the world through our prayers. Like we can help shift the world through our prayers. Imagine if every believer in the world begins to pray for change. If God can hear one man, can you imagine if millions are praying? And I don't, listen, I don't say this lightly, but I do believe this with all my heart. The reason why the United States is still blessed, even though we're, we're, we're swinging. Like, we're, we're on a slippery slope right now. But I'll tell you what, the reason why I believe God has been, like, so good to the United States is because there's a lot of praying people in this country. I'm serious. I think there's a lot of people in this country, all over this, all over this nation, that God's like, man, I'm like... Y'all keep pushing me. 
Because we are. Like the United States, we're pushing it. Let's be honest. Like the godlessness that's going on right now, we're pushing it. And, and I don't know about you, but for the sake of our kids, I keep saying, God, please, like, please. You know, but we're asking for it. You know, we're asking for it, but I'm praying that we continue to push back the darkness. Amen. So for those who get intimidated by praying, I want to say a couple of things here. Jesus, his disciples said to Jesus, teach us how to pray. So which tells you prayer could be learned, right? We learn to pray, right? And the best way to learn to pray is by praying. It's one of those things where you got to do it to know how to do it. And what does Jesus say? I love how he's like, and they're like, hey, teach us to pray. You didn't go, oh, you guys. He's like, all right, pray like this. Like automatically, he was like, okay, let's go. Let's go right to it. Like, let's, let's pray. Right? And he gave him the template of the Lord's prayer, right? Which it was not necessarily for you to do that, you know, religiously. It was like, hey, here's some things. Here's how you can pray. Like, here's some principles that you can live by to pray. So I just want to encourage those of you who might feel intimidated that it is a learning process. The Bible says even the Holy Spirit teaches you to pray. So sometimes you don't know what to pray. The Holy Spirit will pray for you. You ever feel that way? Like you have no words, but you feel like you're still praying? Like there's groanings inside of you. The Holy Spirit takes over and says, I, I take it from here. Like you have no words for this, but I'll pray with you. I'll pray for you. So listen, you can pray with the same authority and power like Jesus. You just got to keep practicing authority and power. In other words, you don't have to wait to feel like you have authority. You have to begin to pray like you have authority. Like you don't, you don't wait until you feel like you have power because here's the thing. Just like with anything in life, confidence takes you a long way. Like, confidence is a big difference between a person who does really well in life and a person who does poorly. And so prayer comes with confidence, right? And sometimes, you know, I love that Richard Foster says this in his book. He's like, listen, sometimes for you guys who are, like, learning to pray, like, you don't have to start with something big like, you know, heal cancer. How about God heal this headache over here? Because that will build your confidence. When you like pray for someone's headache and they're like, oh, it's gone. It's like, oh, it worked? <laughs> I, like I, 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 I disciple a young guy and he's new to faith. And the first few weeks that I meet with him, I would just pray. Right? And he would just listen. But then one week, I was like, all right, today, you're praying, I'm listening. And he's like, like right now? He's like, yeah, right now. Like, You've heard me pray for like several weeks now, so your turn. But here's the thing, I want you to pray out loud because I believe in the power of your words, like you gotta let it out. Now he's really sweating. <laughs> Just me and him in his living room, guess what? He starts to pray. And, he, and the more you pray, the more you can tell like his voice is, is getting confidence, he's getting confidence. And when he was done, he's like, he got up of his chair, he was like, I did it. Like, <laughs> it was really cool to see. And then, we, and then the weeks after that, this confidence kept building, kept growing. Why? Because you learn by praying, by praying. So be encouraged today. Just keep praying. Like, keep swimming. That's a theologian Dory. But I want to talk real quick about a few ways to pray. I want to talk about intercession because it's so important. How to intercede. How to intercede because I think we need to learn to intercede for others. See, spending time with God... When you, we're going to see through Jesus here, the Gospel of Mark, is that Jesus had a tremendous heart for people. The Bible says that his heart would break for people. He had filled with compassion. And intercession happens when first you have compassion. It's hard to pray for people that you don't care about. This is why I don't understand when Christians are looking at the world and like, oh, it's all going to hell. It's like, are you okay with that? We talk about hell like it's nothing. Like, it blows my mind. Some people just roll hell out of their mouth like it's nothing. It's like, man, you, you want people to go to hell? You don't want people to go to hell if you have compassion. So it starts with, with asking God for a heart for people. Spending time with God personally gives you a heart for others. Because God will not reveal himself to you without revealing your heart, his heart for other people. So that's what God does when you start to really spend time with him. See, praying for others, please write this down, begins with compassion like Jesus had for people, that his heart was moved to help people. But in order for that to happen, my friends, we must, we must first quiet our flesh to hear God. 
A major part of praying is listening first. A lot of times, right, I've done this. We all done it. So, you know, we go to pray for someone. We just start, we just start blurring out words. And Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Holy Spirit is like, I didn't even tell you anything to pray for this person. You just started praying out of your own conscience and your own thing. You know, and, and, and the worst is like, you're supposed to be a prayer warrior. Who you, would you war for? You're supposed to listen to God about this person you're praying for. God can give you a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom that this person needs. But if you're just a little bit, I remember one of the first times I got saved, I went to a charismatic school for, for a weekend, and this guy's like, brother, can I pray for you? I was like, sure. He starts speaking in tongues. I've never heard anyone speak in tongues in my life. The whole time he spoke in tongues, and then he left. I'm like, that was for you. I didn't, I didn't get anything. Right? Why? Because sometimes we're praying to sound good. We're not praying for people. Praying for people is saying, God, what do you want me to pray about? Sometimes as simple as asking, how can I pray for you? I do that at the altar all the time. I don't just come up. I ask people, like, how can I pray for you? Because I'm not going to assume just by praying. Or I might lay hands on someone and wait a little bit and see if there's something that's coming to heart and mind that God wants me to pray for. Right? But you got to listen to God is the first step to praying for others. Because you must hear, know, and obey God before praying. Right? Some of the best prayer words we have, they're so good at that because they know, like, I just need a moment to see what the vein is. What is God trying to say here? And those moments can be priceless, man. Those, those are like those divine moments where heaven touches earth and people are like, how'd you know? You know how many times you pray for people, they're like, how'd you know? Someone tell you? It's like in, when I preach sometimes, people are like, who told you? Like, I don't even know you. Someone told you, didn't they? <laughs> My wife told you. Listen, here's the other thing that we, we, we want to get out of the way when we're praying. Unhealthy fears. Because what is the fear of prayer? What if I pray and nothing happens? What if I don't have enough faith? Well, that's a lie. You know why? Because Jesus already told you that all it takes is faith as small as a mustard seed. I, I wanted to get mustard seeds for tonight, and I failed because I ran out of time. But I want to show you how small a mustard seed, like it's tiny. Right? If I had a mustard seed up here, you, you can't even see it. So Jesus was like, do you have that kind of faith? <laughs> That's all I need right? for you to operate. In other words, because Jesus was, the, more, the point he was making is, it's not your faith, it's your faith in me. It's not how confident you are in yourself, it's your confidence you are in me. I, I remember one time someone asked T.D. Jakes, one of my favorite preachers, they asked, they're like, Bishop, what if you pray for someone and they, they don't get healed? What do you do? He said, I say next. It's not up to me to heal the person. That's up to God to heal the person. I'm going to pray with faith. I'm going to believe. But I'm going to trust God with the results. That way, when they do heal, you don't go, oh, I healed them. <laughs> right? Because a lot of times people think, you know, when I prayed, it's like, whoa, 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 time out. <laughs> We were joking about this in crew the other day, like when someone goes, yo, I led this dude to Christ. He's like, no, you got, to, you got to finish the job. But you know how many people God had lined up over the years? They got this person to this place. You're just the closer, okay? <laughs> You're just the closer, right? Isn't it funny? We're like, yeah, I led this person to Christ. And then God's like, yeah, but I'll show you all the people over the years who have like been planted seeds, praying. How about praying? Right? I met with someone the other day. They're like, for years we prayed for a church like this. And I'm like, man, you guys paved the way for us. You, you clear a lot of debris in the spirit for us to be able to come and do this. So we don't take that lightly. Like, we, we ride on the wave of praying people. You know? So we need people to be praying. So don't buy into that lie. Okay? You pray and you trust God with the results. Amen? So, oh, wow, I'm running out of time. It's 8 o'clock. We have school tomorrow. Let me, let, me, let me go quickly here. Look, prayer should not be complicated, okay? Jesus said, come like a little kid. How do kids come to you? 
Kids come open, they're honest, and they're raw. Right? And kids trust like no one's business. Think about this, right? When your kid comes home from school and they're like, Mom, I'm hungry, they're expecting food. Then I go and, Dearest Mama, thou art the most gentle woman that I know. May I perhaps partake of some nourishment on this day? Uh, you'd be like, what's wrong with you today? Right, but, but kids trust that when they say, Mom, I'm hungry! That there's food. Right? What did Jesus say? He said, pray for your daily bread. Right? He said, trust that I'm going to take care of that. Like, pray for your daily bread, and I got you. Right? Kids are not afraid to ask. We shouldn't be afraid to ask. Because a lot of times, here's the other thing I've heard. This is crazy. People are like, oh, I don't want to bother God with that. It's like, so who are you going to take that to? You're going to worry yourself sick. Well, God's busy in Africa. Really? He's busy everywhere. That's the mystery, isn't it? He's somehow he's available to you. So you pray, you trust God. Like, here's the thing with prayer. This might, this might sound a little weird, but I think the reason why I think Jesus uses kids is because kids have crazy imagination. They, they believe anything is possible. And I think prayer and imagination go together. Because a lot of times, I don't know, a word of knowledge comes through like a weird... Some of your prayer warriors who are really weirdly blessed know what I'm talking about. Like, you guys see things, right? And I trust that because, you know, over the years, man, prayer warriors, they come up to be like, I saw this river. It's like, I'm trying to follow. And then this river opened up and it was like six channels. And, 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 then, and then there was a dragon. And then, and then you were there. And I'm like, ah, I'm trying to follow, you know. But I love that because I believe that imagination and prayer go together. Some of the great Christian thinkers were crazy imaginative. You know, C.S. Lewis wrote Narnia, right? Talk about imagination. That's one of the greatest storytelling ever. You know that C.S. Lewis and Tolkien used to hang out? Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings. They used to have, a, we didn't call them crews back then, but they had crews together. They used to hang out, right? And I heard a story, it was fascinating me, that, that Tolkien challenged C.S. Lewis and said, you're not going deep enough with your analogies and your illustrations. You're not showing the darkness, like the evil, the battles with your Narnia. Because he's like, you, you, you're staying kind of shallow. And so he wrote Lord of the Rings to say, like, there's more. There's like more to this spiritual warfare that we're in. Do you ever watch Lord of the Rings? Talking about imagination. He opens up the doors to like, this is what spiritual war looks like. These people were believers using their imagination to try to show you that there's more. Like, when we're talking about the heaven and earth thing, this is what we're talking about. Like, so sometimes when you're praying, God might give you an image. Don't think it's weird. Unless you're weird. Like, some of you... <laughs> I don't even know how to come back from that. So interpret that as you will. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Uh, but can I ask you to pray? Listen, there's a few things I want you to pray. I, I, I say this... Seriously, pray for me. Like, seriously, you should pray for your pastors. Paul, every letter that Paul writes, he asks the church to pray for him. Every single one. Like, every one that I read, Paul's like, yo, please pray for me so I can have the strength and the wisdom and the ability to continue to preach the gospel and do it well. There's a lot of warfare. There's a lot of battles. So I'm asking you, pray for your pastor. Too many people don't pray. They just talk about it. I'm not, this is not a Christianese thing. I'm asking you seriously, pray. There's a lot of battles, a lot of warfare that goes into this thing. Don't just pray for your pastor. Pray for our church services to be anointed. You know, you know what really separates our church services from being just a religious gathering? It's God's anointing on it. Like, seriously, don't come to church without praying first. And sometimes you need to be praying during service. There are moments where there's like tension in the air and we need believers who can understand that and begin to pray, God, break whatever's going on in this place. Because like we read last week, Jesus cast out a demon in church. So don't think the enemy doesn't come to church. It comes to church, but we need to come stronger than the enemy. That's why I'm, I'm grateful that we have fire core. We have people praying through the whole service, but it shouldn't just be them. Any believer should be praying. Sometimes while I'm preaching, shoot out a prayer. 
I need more of those, that lady on Sunday. Well, I need more believers who are like, I'm with you. Like, bring it. Bring the word. Like, don't be afraid. Like, you, you, man, this is a hard word, pastor. I'm with you. Like, preach it. Bring it. Because you know what? I got your back. The Holy Spirit is here. And, it, and we're going somewhere. I'm telling you, it's so critical. Because you know how much warfare is out there. And I don't even think people understand that they're in a warfare when they're like this. It's like the enemy is telling them, like, don't receive. Be closed off. But we need people around who are praying and believing. Like, listen, if you come to church earlier in your row, lay hands on, your, on those chairs next to you and say, God, today, this person sit here is going to be blessed. He's going to be healed. He's going to be restored. Listen, take prayer seriously. We need the anointing of God. Saturate our services with prayer. Here's another one, because I'm, I'm trying to go quickly. Pray over your kids daily. Every day, lay hands on your kids. Pray with them when they're going to school. Pray for their friends. Pray for their teachers. Especially pray for their teachers. Pray that God gives the teacher wisdom and guidance and conviction because we need solid teachers right now. Right? Pray for their safety. And one of the things I like to do is, I like when I'm, because I don't sleep well anyways, so I'll go in their rooms and pray. Pray while they sleep. You know why? I tell them, when your body is asleep, the spirit is working. So pray over your kids, like every day. I don't care how you feel, just pray. And I don't care what they're doing. Pray what you want to see. Pray what you want to see in your kids every day. That's the greatest deposit you will ever give to your kids. Lay hands on them and they sleep. Here's another one. Again, I'm, I'm trying to go quick. Flash prayers, meaning pray for people on the go. Just pray. Like tomorrow, right? Wherever you work, all of a sudden you lock eyes with someone, pray for them in your mind. Just pray. I'm telling you, there's power in that. Right? Someone's giving you a hard time at work, pray for them. Pray for your boss. You have no idea what kind of stuff he's going through. You're at Target, you're shopping, you run, you run next to someone, pray for that mom. You, you don't know what they're going through. Just like flash prayers, I'm telling you, it makes a difference. Just pray. I'm telling you, if everybody in the South Coast begins to have flash prayers, wherever you are, the Spirit of God is going to be in all these places. We can change the atmosphere in our work, in our homes, in our churches, in our cities. I, I live in a cul-de-sac, so every time I, I, I drive around, I'm praying for my neighbors. Just like God just bless this one and that one and touch that one and give me a chance to talk to this one. And I do my best to try to somehow engage them. But you know what? I believe that I'm filling my cul-de-sac with the Spirit of God. I'm just, every time I drive around, God bless each one. Touch each one. Touch every family. Touch each house. I'm telling you, there is power in your praise and for your nation. I really believe that we need to pray for our nation and pray against evil. Because there's a lot of evil we talked about last week. There's a lot of evil. We need to pray against it. There's an enemy who hates believers. He hates families. You know, you think, why, why your family is going through so much battles? Because the enemy hates it. He wants to destroy the family unit in our country. He's doing everything to, to reshape what families look like, to reshape marriages, to reshape sexual, sexuality. Big fight right now around sexuality. We need to pray. You know, we need to pray that the Spirit of God will prevail over our nation. Remember what the Bible says, right? Look, Peter says this, stay alert. How do you stay alert? It's by praying. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a, like a roaring lion. I like that he says like. In other words, he's not really a lion. He's just, he's intimidating. Looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. And be strong in your faith. Remember that your family, that you have, that your family believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. My friends, I know things are tough in the States right now, but there's other countries that's even worse. Just today, we, there's, we, as a church, we partner with a ministry in Iran. But there's a revival in Iran. You know, like Muslims are coming to Jesus by the thousands. You don't hear this stuff on the news because they don't care. But... But, you know, every magazine that we get from them, every video we get from them, their faces are blurred. They can't show them because that government is extreme. They'll kill Christians, right? Talking about like the enemy. 
These people, they have to hide to have church. Did you know that? Like they go underground to have church because they can't have church like this. You know in China, for you to have church like this, you have to register with the government and the government tells you what you can preach or cannot preach. So majority of Chinese Christians will, instead of doing that, they're like, no, we're going to hide and have church the way Jesus intended for us to have church and not be controlled by the government. And we need to pray that our country doesn't get to that place. So never wait until you feel like praying. Because <laughs> it's not a feeling. It's a reality. You pray because you have to pray. And you need to pray. Right? It, it's work. Just like tomorrow morning, how many of y'all are going to be like, oh my God, I'm so excited for work. But you love Fridays. Think about prayer that way. You got to show up every day. Because there's a payoff when I, when I mean prayer. There's a blessing in what I'm in prayer, right? So I end with this, right? As always, I try to be practical. Um, Jesus had a time and a place to pray, right? So here's, here's how you develop a prayer life. You need a time and place. Listen, when Paul says pray without ceasing, right? He was, those are flash prayers, right? Throughout the day, like you can pray. But you need quiet time with the Lord. We call that a prayer closet, right? It's not really a closet per se. It could be a closet if you have one, right? But it's a time and a place that you have designated. Since we moved here seven years ago, I have four designated prayer locations around. I will not tell you where. You got to find your own. That... But you know what I love about it? I know when I go there, I'm going to go pray. It's, it's a meeting place that I have with Jesus. You need that because we are creatures of habit. It's, it's important to have a place that you know this is a place of prayer. It could be a, some people, it's a chair. They have like this chair at home. They, they know like when I sit here, I'm about to pray. Right? So you have to have that. If you're serious about prayer life, develop a, a time and a place. Jesus did it at daybreak. Not everybody can do that. Some of y'all are like, I'm not saved at daybreak. <laughs> I remember when I was in college, we used to pray at like 5.30 in the morning. But some of my boys, that was a struggle. Like I remember one time we were praying, I heard one of them snoring. Like I'm not split, I'm not even joking. All of a sudden you hear. <laughs> it's like this man's travailing with Jesus over here. So... So you got to pick what works for you. Not everybody daybreak is the best time, right? But you got to have that time, right? And it's important because you're saying to God, this is important to me, so I have a scheduled time, right? And God will honor you for having a scheduled time with him, right? So I encourage you highly, pick a time and a place that works for you. We're all busy, but you can't be too busy not to pray. Quiet your mind before you start Bringing God on your laundry list. Just, just quiet your mind. It's, it's sometimes it's the longest 10 minutes of your life to try to quiet your mind. Right? But it's a spiritual discipline to learn to just, I'm just going to sit here and wait a little bit and let all, let all the craziness rush. Because when you let it rush, it will stop. Trust me. But it's when you're trying to control it all that you just, you're never going to. Just sit there and be like, all right, here we go. Let it all, kids are driving you crazy, got bills to pay. Jesus, I came to meet with you, someone cut me off, I wanted to, you know, bless them. <laughs> you know, all that stuff, you got to let it be until you are settled in your spirit. And begin to worship, invite the presence of God. Maybe play your favorite song or two, right? Just settle your spirit, just, just invite the Holy Spirit into that moment, to that place. This is like having your own, understand this is like having your own worship service. That's what it is. Minus, if you want to take an offering, go to Walmart. At the end, you can. But then, go to the Word. Why? Because here's the thing. A lot of times, we pray our feelings. Pray the Word. Right? Go to the Word and get, like right now, we're going through Mark. Read that. Do the soap thing. Don't take it for granted that you already know. We talked about this yesterday in crew. You think you already know. You go to the Word with a fresh heart and humility, God will show you something brand new. Just a brand new thing. Right? Go to the Word, then pray. Because now you have a foundation. 
You've quieted your mind, you've worshipped, you center yourself in the word of God. Now you have a base to build upon when you're praying. And when you go to the word, you find yourself not being redundant in your prayers. Because if you don't go to the word, you're just praying your feelings. You're praying what you normally pray. Right? And then be consistent, because that's how you build up any muscle needs consistency. Your prayer life needs consistency, right? But don't go more than two days without having a quiet time. I don't know about you guys, but I'm at a point now in my life, I know when I need to just go be. Like, pay attention. Your body tells you. Your mind tells you. Your wife tells you. <laughs> hey, you're a little feisty. You need to go pray. How do we need to go pray? Yeah, you do. That's when you know you do. So, is this helpful? You know, because we don't have to complicate this. God wants us to pray. He wants us to have a relationship with him. And I believe that you're going to see breakthrough. You're going to see healing. You're going to see restoration. You're going to see power. But above all, remember, he wants to change you, transform you. Amen? So, Father, I pray that, that, that you give us an appetite, a hunger, a passion, a love for you and your presence. I pray that tonight, Lord, you are just speaking clearly to us that you long to have communion with us. And may your spirit draw us deeper into you, Lord, into your will, into your heart, into your purpose. And I pray as we do that, Lord, that you, would, you are filling us with your authority, your power, your wisdom, your prophetic utterance. I pray we're going to be able to see things and hear you in ways like never before. So we thank you, God, that you are equipping us to be more like Jesus. We thank you for tonight. Bless us to have a, a great night of sleep, full of rest, so we can have a great day tomorrow. Bless our families, our kids, Lord. We want to give our kids over to you. God, that each one of our children will know you and have communion with you and walk with you and live in the fullness of your will. That our marriages are blessed. God, that our finances are blessed. That our jobs are blessed. God, everything we touch is blessed because you're blessed. God, have your way with our nation. God, we pray like Abraham, don't let judgment come. We push back the darkness and we ask you, Jesus, to have mercy on our nation. Forgive the sins of our nation right now and, and point us back to you, Lord. Reawaken the heart of Americans to you, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I bless you. Have a good night. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.